It's that time of the year again. Welcome to Three Levels Deep and the 2023 Games of Our Year, The Gooeys. I'm Santo, and this year we got Alex with us. Hey, everyone. And Matt's here as well. Howdy. And we are going to go over the games that we played last year on a number of different categories. Uh, as a reminder, this we're not exclusively going by games that came out last year. Just games that we played last year, because we all got lots of backlogs to go through. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be some games of old uh, in these categories here. Uh, I mean, I think my year was pretty much... Uh, it was a lot of stuff from, from 2023. Hmm. It wasn't much that wasn't from that year. I had very little, actually. 2023 didn't have a ton of games that I was super jazzed about. Yeah, I'm, you know what's funny is that I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I didn't play a lot of new stuff, although I say that, and I actually did play probably more actually new releases this year than I have in some past years. Uh, but overall, it was mostly older games. Well, speaking of older games that we were trying to get over backlog, the first category that we have here are our New Year's Resolution games. So let's just quickly uh, go over the this little book report here of, ha of how we did. Um, so for me, my New Year's Resolution games from last year were uh, Pyre, still haven't started, <laughs> uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which I played to completion and talked about that on the podcast, and uh, Persona 1 and 2. Uh, I actually did play a little bit of the first Persona, but bounced off it really quickly because it's um, old. <laughs> and what version were you playing? I was playing the uh, PSP version. Okay, because I hear that is the better one. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really have much to say about it. Like, I only like played it for one session and just never went back to it. Um, the setup's kind of thin. Is like the only thing I'll say to it. I expected more uh, stuff to go on. Like, if you think about like Persona Four, for example, how many hours are you playing that game before you get to the first like dungeon? Oh yeah, a lot. It, like, like three. <laughs> yeah, I think so, it is. So uh, Persona One puts you into the action a little bit more, but for you know, a game that's a, a I don't know, still finding its footing as more of a Shin Megami Tensei game. It didn't really get too much into the character story focus until later, I guess. Maybe that's why. I don't know. It's almost as if there's other Persona games more deserving of a modern remake than Persona 3. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I heard Persona 1's rough anyways, and that Persona 2 is more interesting, so... Maybe yeah. I'll get to that this year, but it's, it's not going to be one of my New Year's resolution games for this year. Uh, so next, let's let's talk to uh, Matt here. Uh, you had a lot of New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Um, so first, first one I want to address is uh, I said I wanted to cut back on purchasing on Steam. Yep. Yeah, that went out the window. <laughs> oh, no, oh, capitalism sale? Nah. <laughs> Had to support it. No, the, the backlog is eternal and it must keep growing. Mm -hmm. um, now, the, uh, the next one wasn't really a 
it wasn't uh it wasn't confined just to last year uh but it's just to clear out all the other uh games from uh, super giant games before yep. hades 2 enters full release which it still hasn't even entered yeah. early, early access yet so i think, I, I think i'm still good and i did i did play bastion Oh, so nice. that just that just Fashion's leaves me good. that just leaves me with Pyre and finishing up the uh, storylines I haven't finished in Hades. Hey, maybe if we uh, maybe if we play Pyre, we can actually try the multiplayer. <laughs> uh, uh, so how, how did you like Bastion? I thought it was all right. Certainly not my favorite transistor game, but it's transistor game <laughs> or <laughs> super giant game <laughs> um not certainly not my favorite game from super giant but uh no it's a pretty good game yeah all right so i think i also had play some more resident evil titles on mm-hmm. mine uh which i did at that time i was working through two i finished two i played three and I played four remake and it's uh, DLC. So I was about it for Resident Evil last year. So I did make progress. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I said I wanted to play some more Yakuza. Yeah. How'd that uh, go? Well, as I said on another episode of the podcast, rather than just pick up from three, I decided to start all over again from zero. And I'm still playing that right now. I picked it back up again recently. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that one didn't go too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had one more, uh, which was Ace Attorney. Ah, uh, yes. I did make progress on that. Um, now, initially, I started out early in the year. I played the first case of Investigations. Good. And that's still that's all game. I've played from that. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, but then under the pressure of time constraints to be able to claim the DLC, I did play, uh, Professor Layden versus, uh, Phoenix Wright. That's such a crazy game. <laughs> it, with, it indeed it with is. a really, really silly, uh, the setup is so silly. <laughs> there's, uh. there's some, uh... There's some plot holes. <laughs> oh yeah, like there, it's some Im- it's completely right implausible. In yep. Big plot holes in the beginning, big, uh, huge plot holes with the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great game, which, but which it's, you don't have, plot- don't think about it too hard. Yeah, no, and those plot holes lead into creating a plot hole in the opening sequence. Yep. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh, and now, Alex, uh, you had three things uh, that you said were New Year's resolutions. Uh, the first was a VR game called Rumble. Yep, I haven't I haven't gotten to that. Okay. I you know this year I don't think uh, I have really not played much, if any, VR. Um, partly that's just because the house is in a bit of disarray. Yeah, um, you kind of can't. A newborn. <laughs> you can't put a headset on when there's a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a challenge there. We don't really have a good space for VR, so 
that that yeah vr vr hasn't happened um mm -hmm. yeah and then the other another thing i had was i think i put dwarf fortress on it you did uh... i did i don't have time for that i don't know dwarf fortress i just don't that's what was i even thinking putting that on there mm -hmm. well i was thinking dwarf fortress is awesome that's what i was thinking oh it's a new version right <clears throat> official yeah. art yeah, and then the uh, last thing I think I had as a New Year's resolution game is actually getting rolled over because it's been delayed, which is Homeworld Three. Or maybe I had Homeworld Replay you, before Homeworld. You just 3. had you just had Homeworld, and Homeworld Three was one of your most anticipated for next year. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, so did again, you end got, up revisiting the other Homeworld games? Uh no, I haven't gotten okay. a chance to that. I know I was thinking like, oh man, over the over the over Christmas, I'll like have some time to like play more games and. That didn't happen. You know, <laughs> this was a very busy Christmas for me. So mm -hmm. did did not have time to actually, like, go into the backlog. It's fine. You're first like, Christmas. You're like most people. You didn't you didn't do your New Year's resolution at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I bet if you went on Facebook Marketplace right now and looked for gym equipment, <laughs> probably oh, find some deals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so in terms of what we kind of want to set up for ourselves to play in 2024, uh, for me, Pyre, again, <laughs> I swear, I'll get to it this year. And the next one is a series which I have, I've bought, I've bought every entry into this series, but I've only played through the first one, and that was years ago, and that's Professor Layton. Uh, you know, the new Professor Layton game got announced. Uh, I really enjoyed the first Professor Layton game. I love I love me some puzzles, love me some touchscreen, some DS games. So uh, there's not a great reason why I haven't played more of those games yet. So I'm gonna try to, you know, maybe put the put my 3DS on my bedside table and just like stare at it while I'm going to bed to get get in the mood to uh, play some matchstick puzzles, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's it for me for that. Because when I say Professor Land, that's five games <laughs> to play, maybe six. I, I I'm not I quite, mean, quite sure. There's four on the DS alone, so that's three <laughs> more to go just on the DS for you. Three on the DS, okay. I think there's three for the 3DS. So yeah, okay. And so then there's like and then lot. there's that one where you're playing as his daughter as well on the switch and then there's a mobile game where you're playing as his brother the professor Layton extended universe mm. all right so um alex what are you uh resolute in attempting to play this year uh, okay so i i do actually want to get uh, i'm rolling over homeworld one and two i do want to play those before three comes out i'm not sure when i'm going to be able to do that but i'm not sure when three is even going to come out in <laughs> yeah games just I, get delayed um, i mean i think as of right now i think it's in the first quarter maybe early second yeah i think it's supposed to be like late first quarter or early second but uh yeah so i'll throw those in there and then the other thing i'm gonna throw on here uh there's a couple games i missed that came out this year that i do want to play i want to play tears of the kingdom mm-hmm and like that's probably like really up there and i know obviously that game is pretty massive but i think oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna go for it at some point 
uh, I think the other thing is like the Nintendo tax is so steep. I'm like, man, I don't want to spend $90 on this game. Like, even if it's great, it's just so steep. So I think my sister has it. And I think, she, uh, sorry, one of my sisters has it and she finished it. And then she gave it to my other sister. And I'm like, okay, once my second <laughs> sister's done playing it, I'm just going to borrow the cart. I'm just going to borrow the cartridge and then I'll play it. <laughs> Hand me downs. <laughs> I, hey, you know what? This is why I still buy carts for, for, for the Switch. The, the games are too expensive. Resale value. Resale value, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nintendo um, games never go down in price. Yeah, and then sort of similar, except I'll probably actually buy it. Um, Pikmin Four. I like the Pikmin. I like the Pikmin games, and I heard Pikmin Four was pretty good. It's got. I see, and you know, you know why I'm kind of sad that I missed it. It's got a great dog. Mm. Mm. It's got a great dog. I, yep. I can't put. I can't put. Can't put him in for uh, this year's awards. So. But uh, yeah, I think those are the yeah re- revisiting Homeworld one and two, Tears of the Kingdom and Pikmin four. Those are those are my resolution games this year. Uh, whether that's achievable, I have no idea. Right. I I will say actually, although I I did kind of we'll get to this later, but although I didn't play Homeworld, I did play a game this year by the developers of Homeworld. Oh, which which are listeners of the podcast will already. No, because I think we yep. talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it last uh, episode. Yeah, but we'll le- if you didn't listen to that or you forgot, we'll leave you in suspense. Suspense. All right, so Matt, don't leave us in suspense. What are you looking forward to playing and getting off your backlog this year? Well, the super giant uh, games that that rolls over. Uh, gotta get gotta get through. Uh, pyre and finish up hades but uh outside of that i don't have much else rolling over um i want to dive into the remedy verse mm. yeah uh because yeah, you've prob- you've played what you've played quantum break and... yes that's it so far yeah um but yeah i want to dive in i want to jump into max Payne one and two first get into the head of the author before jumping into Alan Wake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. Uh, Aside from that, uh, 2021, I think it was, where our game of our year was uh, Outer Wilds, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I love that game, and I still have not played its DLC. Hmm. Yeah, I think we were. I think we were like humming and hawing about doing a let's play of it or something. Yeah, but I, I, I wanna, I wanna get to that DLC because I absolutely love that game, and I, I, I want more experiences in it. Cool. Uh, and aside from that, I'm rolling over the uh, Like a Dragon or Yakuza series into this year because it's very fitting. Because this is the year of the dragon. There we go. So uh, I wanna wanna get through some more more yakuza. Uh, yeah, that's about it for me. All right. So I look forward to our uh, report next year to see how, what percentage of these we actually complete. Uh, but you know that's not the only thing that you might look at because our next category is best looking game. Uh, 
So I think last year we might have called this like coolest art or something. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, just like you know, what games like stunned us visually this year? Um, I can go first. I- I've got some odd nominations this year. Uh, my best looking game this year is Honkai Star Rail. Oh, okay. Uh, and my my justification is that a lot of games with anime art style don't really they don't fulfill what I think they're trying to do in three dimensions very much. A lot of the time it's like really good 2D like character portrait art, but then the 3D models don't really match that art style that much. They're like kind of facsimiles of what the characters are supposed to look like, but just like in terms of lighting, shading, even just like fidelity, they just haven't been there for a very, very long time. And now we're finally like getting to the point where uh, something like Honkai Star Rail, it looks gorgeous. Like the shading oh, yeah. on all the characters, the quality of the animations, and the frame rate of the animations as well. Uh, like seeing seeing like CG in traditional animation is so hilarious because they like always like try to cut the frame rate to match like the scene, like the traditional animation frame rate, and it always just looks jarring to me. So seeing, you know, like really well made at anime looking three D models animating fluidly and well, uh was was really good to see. Um I also just liked a lot of the art and aesthetic around it, uh, including like a lot of the UI looked really nice too. So I'm, I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite, but I do like the character designs. Like they're you know very flashy, very over designed, but it's a gotcha game that makes sense. Like the characters are supposed to you know evoke people wanting to spend money to quote unquote own them. So. They need to look like they want to make you gamble for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I that's that's my pick this year. Cool. Um, maybe I'll go next. Uh, so my my pick for best looking game, and you know, p- part of me was like, do I nominate this game? I don't know because uh, this game has flaws. But one of the things that is not a flaw of this game is that it looks great, and so I'm nominating Sea of Stars for best looking game. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's one of the reasons I, that honestly like, I saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, like, and and like, really, as soon as I saw a trailer for the game, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna play this game because you know the game looked great, and I've said this before, but the game's aesthetics in general are extremely on point, and mixing mixing like that classic 2D sprite work and like particle effects and lighting in a really seamless way is I think probably pretty challenging because I'm pretty sure that even though the characters are 2d sprite work, I think that they actually have 3d models of the characters to make the lighting engine work because there's like dynamic 3d lighting, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing to see in Mm -hmm. what is basically a SNES style sprite work kind of uh, aesthetic. So really, really, uh, cool and well done uh, with how seamless it is. You know, it's like you're talking about like oh mixing, you know, two D anime animation and three D animation. Well, this is like mixing sprite work and like a three D lighting engine, which is not an easy thing uh, to make look so good. I I don't think, but 
but yeah, for all the faults that that game has, uh, looking bad is not one of them. The game looks great. And I think it's, you know, uh, uh, at least in terms of how it looks, it's kind of a timeless uh, look to the game. Very yeah, intentionally. So. I'm glad you nominated that, yeah. Because, you know, for all the, the faults that that game does have, like, it should it should be recognized for what it did did do well, which was the visuals. Yeah. Alright, so my nomination, well, I don't think it's necessarily the best looking of what I've played. I think it's the most deserving, just because it gave a series a much-needed visual refresh. And that's Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Hmm. Really? Okay. Um, the... Because, like, the previous games, like, they just the visual style was just starting to wear it it uh looked kind of generic yeah um, and, I, I totally agree yeah and wonders art style just brings in a bunch of personality that it was missing yeah you know what's you know what's funny is that i totally agree and yet i couldn't actually tell you why cuz i don't know to me like it it's it, it seems it does seem to me more like an evolution of the sort of art style that they were already doing. Um, but that it does have it, like, it definitely has a lot more character, but I don't really, I couldn't really pin down like exactly why it does. I, I always thought that uh, like the first new super Mario bros for the DS kind of looks soulless to me. I mm -hmm. really didn't like how that looked there. Uh, I think the Wii and the Wii U new super Mario bros uh, looked a lot better. They were a lot more colorful, um, but you know, uh, like Matt said, it was it was it's time for a change. It it, it the visual style stagnated through yeah. three games because you can't can't forget about New Super Mario Brothers two on the 3DS as well. Um, I'm not forgetting it, but I've just never seen gameplay from it, so I don't know if like the, yeah the like you know fidelity of the models and effects and all that stuff held up on the 3DS. My guess is it probably didn't. <laughs> Yeah, when, when you look back at the series and how, with the exception of Mario 1 to Lost Levels, every other game had, like, a new, refreshed art style. What about Galaxy to Galaxy 2? Well, in terms of 2D, <laughs> Mario. Yeah, Galaxy 2 was a DLC, let's be real. <laughs> but yeah, in, in terms of 2D Mario, traditionally there was always a visual refresh each game, so... For it to stagnate on that uh, that one art style for as long as it did, uh, wondered did a good job at refreshing it and giving it some personality. Yeah, you know, um, something I always felt like with uh, like right from the first New Super Mario Bros. was that the art style basically just looked their it looked like their promotional CGI, uh, or yeah, yeah, they'd have like you know. 3d models that are used in like promo like on the box art and whatever and it just looked like that but it was it was kind of soulless and it was just like it literally was just like promo box art i might i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past them if they were just like hey we've already got these 3d models lying around <laughs> um Maybe. so yeah it 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 i definitely agree it looks a lot better but it's it's funny because it, i just the only thing i'm just like it seems more like an evolution than like a, a totally new direction. But I think the big thing is just that the animations are so much better. 
more than mm-hmm. anything else. Which is one of the reasons why, like, I know when people were saying that, and I was just looking at stills of the game, I was like, I don't know, it doesn't look that much different. But then the game itself is a lot more energetic and fun and, and full of character. It also, I think, might be just the fact that the game changes so damn much. Like, every level has, like, some unique thing going on where they're like, yep, we're just going to make one-off art assets for this single level. Yep. Which is an, an immense amount of work that they put into all that. Okay. I think those, those are three pretty strong games. Uh, so now, now we actually have to come to the difficult part of this, which is picking a winner. Uh, I'm tempted to lean. Uh, I really do like Hawkeye Star. I don't. Know. I think I'm tempted to lean towards Sea of Stars. Um, I think I am too, actually. Yeah, because like the what I never want to see with pixel art games these days is games just using pixel art and not taking advantage of modern techniques. And Sea of Stars feels like that they not only use modern techniques, but maybe even innovated in the space potentially don't really know how they did things behind the scene like for example alex you said you were speculating like maybe there's 3d models for the characters that they use their lightings on maybe maybe like they're actually sprites but they have like a 3d like analytical model like that goes along with yeah. them to determine things yeah. like weird math they and could, stuff like that yeah like they could they could be using like they could be using a sprite and that they kind of put a depth map on uh for like the lighting engine that that could be could be it um i'm I'm not really sure i'm not super i'm not well versed in in those kinds of lighting techniques but what i know is that you can like because you have direct control later in the game over the lighting system in a in a way and you can like literally just move the shadows back and forth and be and and just be like whoa The other thing, actually, the other reason that Sea of Stars is kind of more impressive to me than Mario Wonder or Honkai Star Rail is that but those are both games by, ma- like, massive studios with huge development teams. And, like, when, like, a Nintendo game, I kind of expect a Nintendo game to look good, right? Yeah, you'd expect that. You would expect that, unless it's Pokemon. But that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not Nintendo. We... We can blame the Pokemon company for that, or Game Freak. But uh, but yes, yeah, Star Incorporated. Like a, yeah, and Honkai Star Rail was also like they spent a huge it's, amount of money. It's the third game from the uh, MiHoYo. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Yeah, whereas Sea of Stars was like a like I think like not even a dozen people or something, or maybe it was more than okay. I I looked at the uh, page and there were like five or six people that worked on everything but the art and like. 18 artists okay there so were a, a there were artists. a lot of artists for that and that um, was the studio's second game like i i agree with yeah, you yeah the messenger yeah i agree with you that like yeah in in a vacuum that's maybe more impressive but personally i don't really care all that much like the size of the studio uh which is maybe more impressive that i still think it's the best looking game out of these three yeah all right so <laughs> sea of stars it, it sounds so. like all three of us are kind of like in agreement on that yep okay best looking game sea of stars other people gave it game of the year so we have to give it a well we don't have to give it anything but we're giving it we're getting we're giving it an award in the, what we think it did actually well we're not going to get sidetracked on this <laughs> 
yeah, we already talked about that game for like an hour and a half or Way something. Too long. <laughs> so go go if you want if you want our full thoughts, you know, there's an episode that's half. There's an episode for that. Sea of Stars ranting. So for our next category, we have the category that you know highlights our faithful furry companions during the year. It's best dog. So we've had some uh, some great dogs in the past win this award, like Caesar from Wargroove. Uh, oh, uh, Doxman from uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So uh, mm, yep. excited to hear what your guys' nominations for Best Dog are this year. Well, my nomination for Best Dog is the unnamed dog from Resident Evil 4 Remake. Making a return from the original. Um, this is a dog that you come across that's caught in a bear trap. And you can choose to ignore it and walk away. But if you free the dog it comes back to help you in a boss fight. That's awesome. How uh, helpful is it in that boss fight? Uh, it distracts the boss. It's like, it's like a big like lumbering ogre thing, and it does provide a good distraction. And uh, get some pretty good hits in. Alright, that's pretty good. Uh, my nomination for best dog is uh, going to be uh, from Lion Monster Farm, and it is the uh, special collaboration monster that they did with the uh, Japanese mobile phone slash investment holdings company SoftBank and that is Mechadad Mechadad so okay for, for context SoftBank has this long running series of commercials that feature a Shiba Inu but okay. it talks and it is the father of a family don't that ask too sense. many questions makes sense so they decided to put this dog into uh, into the game as a collaboration, and it's a very odd collaboration. But they they didn't just put in you know just a regular dog to uh, fight in this monster game. They decided to give the dog a Jordy the Lafour's visor oh. and a and a rocket wow. backpack. So. That's a uh, that's a that's clearly a steel dark type. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's a Digimon. That's a Digimon. You know what? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know right. what? You're right. You're right. It's a Digimon. Yeah. Champ- <laughs> champion stage for sure. So yeah, and uh, that's Mechadad. And he's got some unique uh, attacks uh, for him specifically in the game too. So for a very weird collaboration that shouldn't have worked they put in the effort to make it work and it's a good boy and a good dad so i guess i'll uh get to my dog nominee you know what's funny i'm i'm, I'm sort of like i'm sort of on the fence mostly because there weren't actually a lot of dogs in the games i played this year and one of them i I want to nominate him, but he already won a previous year. And I'm like, does, should I really be nominating Sequel Dog, which is the same dog? Yeah, I, I could have nominated Cosmo the Space Dog a second time because it is in Marvel Snap. <laughs> and I'm, well, I mean, and that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. Wargroove 2 came out. Caesar's still in there. Caesar's still a good boy. Um, but I think I'm actually going to nominate uh, Poochie from Yoshi's Crafted World. Okay. I'm like... Uh, Pooch, was there a Simpsons game that you played this year? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, he's uh, so yeah. in Yoshi's Crafted World, Poochie, 
Pucci oh, is... Look, look at that boy. He doesn't have ears. He doesn't need them. <laughs> <laughs> Fabric yeah, can't hear anyways. Fabric can't hear. Yeah, really, really cute looking dog. It's a cute game. Um, actually, I think I've mentioned this. Uh, there are some levels that are surprisingly difficult and annoying. But overall, um, the the concept of what Poochie does in Yoshi's Crafted World is that every level has like a, a backside and you basically go through the level backwards from behind. So there might be things which are kind of hidden behind fabric or cardboard on the front side of the level. And then the camera, like from the back side of the level, you see like the back of cardboard, the back of fabric and stuff. And so it looks a little different. But when you're going through the backside, you are like your goal, instead of collecting flowers, is to find all of the Poochie Pups. And there's three Poochie Pups in the level. And then the funniest thing is that when you once you get a Poochie Pup, you know how Yoshi can throw eggs? Well, Yoshi can also throw Poochies. Except, oh, the, Poochies, except the Poochies come back to you. Uh, so they're like boomerang eggs, basically. Uh, it's it's really silly though, like throwing poochie dogs at enemies, just just utterly ridiculous. <laughs> also, the sounds are very cute, and so I have to have to nominate Poochie for best dog from Yoshi's Crafted World. Uh, on visuals alone, I'm leaning towards Mecha Dog. Yeah, Mecha Dad, Mecha Dad, Mecha Dad, Mecha Dad, not just Mecha Dog, Mister. Mr. Mecha Dog. Mr. Mecha Dog. All right. I, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I do like Poochie, though. I completely forgot that they added that to uh, that Yoshi game. But I mean, that's, that's... I think Poochie's I think Poochie's been in there since Yoshi 64, Yoshi Story on the N64. I was going to say Yoshi 64. I'm like, wait, that's not the actual name of the game. All right. So I'm just going to go here and bold Mecha Dad. Macadad, Macadad would be bold. Very bold. All right. So uh, next category, which you know, I, I kind of like how we, how we do these two kind of together because the best dog, it, you know, it could also be the best character of a game. Mm. <laughs> if 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 the if the best dog of the year is so good that it rises above every other character in the game, it could win both. It could win both. So let's see if any any of those dogs got nominated for best character here. Um, Alex, why don't you start us off? Oh, best character. You know, this was a weird one for me because for for some reason I just I wasn't really feeling the characters in most of the games I I played this year, and there were a few that like had story and had characters, but. You know, for some reason, I just wasn't really feeling those. And I kind of took this in a bit of a different direction. And I'm choosing the pilot from Risk of Rain Returns uh, because I just like the way he plays as a character. Just good gameplay for the pilot from Risk of Rain Returns. Also, he's in the intro cinematic for the game. So, you know, he panics when the ship's getting attacked in the intro cinematic. And I'm like, that's... That's that's some character. He he slams that he slams that emergency button. He's just like, oh shit, something's going wrong. Slam that big red button. Panic. <laughs> Get out. It all right, grabs all right. a grabs a parachute. Leaves. No no shame in nominating a character based on 
mechanically how they are in the game. Yeah, but mechanically, I really like the way the pilot plays. All right. Uh, so for my best character, I nominate uh, Chai from Hi-Fi Rush. Um, he's the main character you play as, and he he's very much the lovable idiot character archetype. Nice. Very like, very much like Fry from Futurama. Mm. Yeah, like, that's that's the vibes I was getting from him in terms of character design a little bit too. Oh yeah, no, it, it it's there. It's just um, it's hard not to like him. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I there wasn't really much for me this year that really stood out as great characters, but uh, no, like he he's it's it's hard not to like him and just uh he's just so stupid (laughs) but in a good way yeah i didn't i didn't play i didn't play that game but i think i even remember just watching some of the cinematics with that character and it was pretty funny all right uh that's a good pick um so uh i I was I was waffling on this one for a while. Like I, I I'm the offset. I had I had some uh, a fair few characters I could have picked between here, even a few characters from the same game here because um I'm gonna be picking a, a character from uh, Octopath Traveler too, and I'm gonna be picking uh, Particio the Merchant. Now, Octopath. What you buying? <laughs> uh, Octopath has a very weird tone to it a lot of the times a lot of the times the tone's very disparate because it's like eight separate stories each of them range from like like the dancer just wanting to like be a big star on the big stage to like extremely personal familial like revenge and stuff like that um particio his story is definitely on like the uh, the lighter tone of the game and octopath in particular has a it walks a very fine line with the writing for the merchant class between like romanticizing mercantilism without glorifying capitalism. There's a very fine line that they walk there. Uh, and Particio is fantastic in Octopath Traveler 2 because his storyline is that he wants to rid the world of poverty. Like his dad, like, set up in like a silver mining town but that ended up you know booming for a bit and then busting so they he gets a first-hand experience just like people struggling to make it in the world and he's just like you know i grew up with these like bright eyes ideals for you know money and stuff like that but i'm gonna go out into the world and make sure that you know poverty won't exist and particio it then becomes responsible for many things happening in the world of that game. For example, uh, the game takes place kind of like very, very pre-industrial revolution. It's like just on the cusp of that happening. So some of the things that Particio does is he invents the world's first department store. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, he becomes the uh, patron for an inventor who invents the uh, gramophone. So he's responsible for mass, you know, mass distribu- distribution of music in the world too. Like he buys his own ship, so that you can actually like, yeah, you don't get given a ship in this game. You have to buy it as part as part of his like quest line. Uh, 
and the the big resolution to his story is um this one guy who like kind of like did a shady contract with his dad that ended up like busting out that silver town uh he has his own island and he is like total evil capitalist asshole and particio goes to take him down because what this guy does is that his name i think it's rourke something like that or rock i think it's actually rock he acquires the patent and the rights for the steam engine which you know for industrial revolution that's you know very important so big deal yeah kind of a big deal uh so he's you know gonna be hold out with an iron fist and like only let like rich people you know uh be able to use steam engines and profit from them and he's not going to share it so what particio wants though is he wants to buy the patent from the guy so he can freely distribute the technology and he has to like get the backing of this like eccentric billionaire to help him out and even after that like you the guy doesn't want to give up the patent he just like said like name the price as just kind of like a bluff and so he gets pissed and fights you with a gigantic steam locomotive. I love fighting trains in RPGs. They're the best boss fights, damn it. <laughs> Can you suplex this one though? I, unfortunately not. There's no there's no suplexing in Octopath Traveler 2. Uh missed opportunity. I can use use my owl, owl companion to attack it. Um but if it, after you win that battle, one of the best moments in the entire game is um, you have these like overworld abilities where you walk up to people, press a certain button, and it goes into like a menu for like being able to like talk them into helping you or stealing from them, or in Particio's case, buying things from them. So after you beat this guy, you actually have to physically move your move him up to Rock, press the button to interact, and go into a separate menu to buy the patents to the Steam Engine. <laughs> So they even in- incorporate like the the gameplay into that a little bit just to, and that that was that was a fun little moment. So, and so yeah, Particio. He also talks in a southern accent, so he says "yeehaw" a lot. It's very endearing. All right. As as for what wins, um, I'm sorry, I can't back the pilot. I'm I'm sorry, Alex. I just can't. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I'm I'm kind of tempted to back this. Uh... Hi-Fi Rush character whose name I have literally already forgotten. But I, wow. I, I okay. Chai, all right. Chai, yeah, Chai. He, I, like I said, I definitely yeah. watched some some cutscene clips from the game, and he seemed like a good character, fun character. Yeah, like from the from the little bit bits that I saw Matt play of the game, like yeah, he was you know the the writing did it very very well. He was very endearing, so uh, I, I'm fine with Chai. Is it spelt C H A I like chai tea yes, or something? It is. Okay. Uh, no, it's it's spelt latte. <laughs> you're you're gonna regret not picking Particio if you listen I, to I, his I mean, I, if okay, if I was picking <laughs> if I was picking on name if I was picking on name alone, Particio is a great name. Don't worry. You might you might be hearing his theme later. Sounds like a sounds like an Italian um like an Italian it sounds like an Italian strategy game, is what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like Stratego and Parcheesi mixed together. So I yeah, think exactly. Parcheesi is... Isn't Parcheesi an Indian game? I have no idea. 
Okay, so next up we got our least well-defined category, which is most game. Um, this is kind of like, you know, game with the most mechanic, game that most feels like a game. Whatever definition we want to squeeze a game into for this, for most game. Uh, for me, I, I have a I have an argument for mine. Uh, my most game is going to be Marvel Snap because the matches are so short that, you, that per hour you're playing the most games. <laughs> and, you know, being a card game, like you got a bunch of different cards to put in your deck and that means that you have a combinatorial crazy amount of decks that you could possibly play, lots of different interactions, the locations in the game that are random every game bring a fun little twist to how the game plays so that it's it was very rare for games of marvel snap to feel the same a lot until i started running up against like all just meta decks which is why i stopped playing (laughs) anyways so yeah for for sheer volume of games played marvel snap See, if I had played a Civ game, I would want to nominate it here for the opposite reason, which is it's the most <laughs> hours per game instead of the most games per hour. <laughs> That's a valid argument. You got a min, you, you, you got a min max, min max. I didn't play a Civ game though, so I can't do that. Well, what game did you play, Alex? What game did that you would nominate what, for this category? What is what is most game? I mean, it's a bit of a toss up, but I think I'm gonna nominate Noita. And I know technically this is not the first time, this is technically not the first year I've played Noita, but I've never nominated Noita before. And I actually, looking at my play history, played a shit ton of Noita in the first first kind of quarter, basically. And uh, the reason I'm nominating Noita for most game is because the game has the most mechanical depth of maybe anything that I've really played. The way that it's like wand crafting system has uh, spells interact with each other is insane. It's so insane that people are still developing new kinds of like abilities in the game. Like, like years, like many years after the game has been thoroughly picked through, people are still like inventing new kinds of synergies between the different mechanics of one of the wand spells, which is absolutely insane to me like the level of depth it's it's the kind of game where i put a hundred hours into it and and after a hundred hours you you just start to understand the game like that's the level of just mechanical depth that it has it's there there, and there's almost like not a ceiling it's insane to me just and then there's obviously like also a lot of intentional uh uh, intentionally obscure challenges and puzzles and and difficulty in the game as well, which is uh, not... There's not a lot of single-player games with that level of, of just time you can put into it. Um, and yeah, it's partly just the emergent complexity of the wand crafting system combined with challenges which would ordinarily be completely insane like just bosses which are completely unreasonably powerful unless you make absolute cheese wands that destroy the entire screen instantly 
every second or something dumb. Like, like just... So yeah, that's that's what I'm going to nominate for most game because of its mechanical depth. All right. Yo, last minute here. I'm kind of having a crisis because some, something else just popped in my head that I could nominate for most game, but... No, I think I think I gotta go with uh, my original. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because not only do they take the existing map from Breath of the Wild and add this intricate Rube Goldberg contraption creation mechanic, but then they also add a floating sky islands to the world. And an entire underground that spans the entire map. There, There is so much in that game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> the thing is, like, okay, Tears of the Kingdom is a huge, huge, huge game. But now I know of two people that Noida has absolutely grasped in its grasp and just didn't let go. Like, how much, you know, Sean has been absorbed in it, and, like, the insane times at which I've seen the Steam notification for Alex to start playing it. Like, I, I think I have to go with Noida here. Yeah, I, I can agree to that. Yeah, I have I have almost 200 hours in it, and that's just basic, and that's basically just from this year. Just from the early, and not even from this year. It's basically mostly from the first half of the year, just because I got really busy over the summer and fall with other stuff and playing other games. But there was like, yeah, oh man. You, I, you needed to start playing games that you could hold baby in one arm. Exactly. And yeah. Game with the other. That was actually that was actually a big thing, right? Is once once baby came, it was kind of like, you know, I tried playing some different stuff that I could. Oh man, that would that. Oh reminds me i could do a category best one-handed game that could have two meanings uh, <laughs> yeah you sure you sure about that maybe, maybe best, ga best game to play while holding a baby mm. <laughs> yeah anyway um, right. yeah okay noida 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 man that's 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 that that's really tough i you know and if you hadn't if you hadn't gone for it i probably would have just said tears of the kingdom just because that game also seems to like have an yeah insane that, that, amount that, of emergent complexity yeah like that that's really really tough between those two but yeah because yeah i mean they both kind of have listen, similar ha no, now that noida won something this year can't be nominated again any it other can't year. be nominated anymore. Right, we got that off our <laughs> it's, chest it's over unless it gets dlc which it probably won't. It, it won't get. I doubt it will get named DLC. It'll probably just get free updates. It's yeah. yeah. It's actually been getting free updates again, even though the developers said no, no more updates, and then they're just doing updates again. <laughs> Mostly because the community started like making patches themselves, and then the developer was like, "Okay, fine. We'll take your, we'll take your patches. <laughs> we'll make them official." Yeah, that nah, basically. Alright, so most game. Most game is Noida. Alright, so next we we're gonna go over some uh, personal categories, just categories that we all thought of ourselves to uh highlight games that we played this year that maybe didn't fit within uh, other categories. 
or you know categories that we had a really good idea for but probably wouldn't fit for the rest of the crew uh we haven't really shared much of these with each other yet so this is gonna be a fun little surprise for all of us uh so i'm gonna start off with uh the vtubers made me do it award oh Oh, no okay Okay. (laughs) um and i gotta give that to suika game or watermelon game Mm. uh because i saw pretty much every vtuber and their mother playing it and so i went to the extent of uh getting a japanese eShop card online from play asia and to buying it and then like a week later it was on north american eShop. <laughs> is, is that a large like subsection of content creators is vtubers moms uh well I, actually so tech in vtuber terms their mother is their artist oh dear okay i don't like that terminology at all <laughs> uh i don't know like I, i've seen a couple like these in my recommends of just like trying to explain pokemon to my dad and stuff like that <laughs> uh but yeah uh yeah, I, game just i've yet to very play addicting i've yet to play it or any of the multiple clones yeah there's so many clones at this point one time i looked at like the google play like most downloads for the week and like of the top 10 there were like three watermelon game clones in there wow so yeah very very i I mean it seems like a such a simple concept yeah it yeah it's simple but very addicting all right uh, so my first of uh, my personal categories, uh, I'm going to go with best game featuring the devil. Oh, uh, oh. and this is going to be, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, mm. now part of the reason why I made this as a category is so that I could shit talk Diablo 4 and it not being the best game released this year <laughs> that deals with the devil. But, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, uh, stars uh in some of the uh parts of the game uh mephisto who is the the, kind of the canonical sort of devil in marvel uh comics and you know he's he's a fun character uh but just going beyond just devilness and just into general satanism and cultism like most of the game is focused on like kind of the occult and that's how they use their storytelling which is a really interesting setting, you know, for a superhero game. Like, most of the superhero games and movies are, you know, pretty straightforward superhero stories to have one uh, put into this occultism setting uh, beyond just, you know, this storyline of the comics, which I don't read comics, uh, was was really, uh, it was really interesting to see and was uh, a tone that, you know, I'm not, I'm not that that used to in seeing in games so it was it was a good time did cult of the lamb have the devil in it uh yes i played that last year though oh that was last year okay yeah was I, it felt year? like it felt huh. like this year though they did just have like a new big update i might have to jump back in and check that okay. out i was just trying to think of like what what games do i know i mean Helltaker, i don't know <laughs> Because apparently you can now breed your cultists. Okay, moving okay. on. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Uh, okay, my first one, uh, worst category. Sorry. <laughs> worst category. All right. Uh, worst category. Um. Personal. Well, so my first personal category, and uh, yeah, this is why I got confused. Worst controls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, worst controls. My worst controls, I haven't talked about this game yet because I started playing it only at the very end of the year, but uh, For the King 2. Oh. I Now, I don't hate the game, but my god, does it have the worst controls I have ever seen in any game ever. That's um, a tall order. It's really, oh, it's really bad, dude. It's so bad. Like, if you try, so the game technically, the game supports a controller. It recognizes a controller. But the controllers do not work. The game has clearly been designed for use with a mouse and keyboard, but it, like, there are literally menus that uh, the controller cannot navigate at all. Yeah, it's a shame when that um, happens. Risk but, of it too. But most Poor of them, roof. most of them you can. <laughs> but there's like a couple you can't at all, which is awful. But in general, the way that so there's it's it's an RPG, so it's got layered menus. Here's the here's the crazy part. So if you have a menu and you open a sub menu. You can leave the submenu to go to higher level menus without closing any of them. And it's a disaster. It's so bad. Uh, I can't believe how bad it is. And people have like people have like complained about this on their like Discord and whatever. And their basic response is like, we'll fix controls we'll fix controller support when we release it on consoles. And I'm sorry, hmm. but like that never happens. Fir- that literally never happens. The first game, the first game controls like a controller worked fine for the first game, and like I'm I'm not even talking about like oh you know it's co-op like it, it's you could do like local co-op and so it would be nice if one controller like uh, characters were assigned to specific controllers. I'm not even talking about that. Even if you just are using one controller for playing all the characters, it's a it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work. I literally cannot play the game with a controller. I have to keep a mouse around just to like be just to use certain menus because you can't use them or just to use some menus that you can technically use with a controller, but it doesn't really work. It doesn't wrap like it doesn't wrap around certain menus. It just like leaves the menu and goes off to some other menu or like the board. And it's like I have I have made so many mistakes where like I accidentally do something that I didn't mean to do because the controller doesn't work properly. Um, the okay, just, the mouse just flickers in and out, like because you're using a controller, and I'm like, it's so bad. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll complain about this later on another episode when I talk more about For the King Two. But holy shit, worst controls I've ever seen. Just, just public service announcements to developers of anything: make looping menus. It's it's so easy to do. There's no reason why like. Almost every menu should be able to loop, yeah. Unless unless there's like a menu that with only like three options or something like that, it should loop. This isn't yeah okay, but this is so if it doesn't loop, normally it would just stop at the bottom. This one doesn't even stop at the bottom; it just goes off to some other menu instead. Like it's crazy. Oh. I've never seen anything like it. They're the worst menus I've ever used with a controller, like. With a mouse, the game's basic. With a mouse and keyboard, the game's basically fine. But it's like they never even play tested it with a controller. It's disgusting. Uh, 
now now that Steam has started to put like um, specifically like controller support information on your Steam library, I wonder what it says for that. If it says partial controller support. Or oh, not. I think <laughs> I I think it I think it just says that it's support. I can check right now. I think it says it's just supported because it it, it just supports your controller. That's just lying then. Well, it supports a controller. It's just that the controller will work. Yeah, our menus will not though. Yeah, the controller works, but the menus don't. Uh, uh anyway, um yeah, full controller support is what Steam says about it. Fuck that. <laughs> but it's uh it's gross. And 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 then the other thing is even if they make good on their promise to fix controller support when they uh release the uh console version, that's not until like Q4 uh 2024. Oh. Which is like, so you're literally saying that you're you literally launched a game and you're just like, yeah, it doesn't support controllers for a year. What kind of roadmap is that? Like that's ridiculous. And and again, controllers worked fine in the first game, and and the game is actually it seems like it's very similar. It I wouldn't be surprised if it's basically the same engine. So I have no idea why they had a game with functional controllers support and then they completely broke it for the second game. Like utterly utterly unreal to me. That that's bizarre. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not even just like, like I know uh, we talked a little bit about this, and I, I suspect you would have nominated Battlebit for being a, a first-person shooter that just doesn't support a controller. But at least you, but but it. So oh, that, I had I had like four different games I could nominate for worst controller. But anyway, I'm more forgiving. <laughs> I'm more forgiving of like the developers just never added controller support really, and you have to manually set some stuff up. Because then it's at least it's like okay the game just doesn't support it here it's like it recognizes controllers and 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 says it supports it but it doesn't at all which is way way worse to me yeah because you can't really do anything about it no no and you wouldn't even know that it doesn't support them until you try to play the game and then like it'll mostly work until it'll mostly work until it doesn't I didn't even realize that certain menus literally cannot be navigated with a controller until like a like a couple a few hours into the game or something because it's like it's actually rare there there's only a very small number of menus that it doesn't work at all on which is really weird like like that's what i mean it's just nonsensical anyway moving on yeah let's move on from that matt what's your uh, next personal category uh the shadow drop award Oh, okay. Um, and and this is I I just want to give more recognition to Hi-Fi Rush because this game literally came out of nowhere. It was announced in a Microsoft uh presentation and dropped the same day. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> there, like... there was like no rumors or anything about it, like nothing about being in development or anything. It's just out same day, not even a full price game. Just just dropped. There it is. Yeah, like that, you know, shadow drops happen. They they feel like they happen more often now than they than they have before. But usually it's like DLC, or like a spinoff, or like something something a lot smaller than this. But this felt like you know, like a a fairly you know full well realized game that just out of nowhere. Yeah, for, yeah I kind of wonder. Pretty crazy. I kind of wonder if this is partly just because of because uh, it was on Game Pass, right? Um, uh yeah so it, i mean it is microsoft first party because it's yeah. um like i'm kind of wondering published by bethesda i can't remember the name of the studio that made it right now but it's the people behind uh, the evil within yeah but i'm kind of just wondering if this is gonna is be that grasshopper my... 
It might be. I'm kind of just wondering if this is going to be part of like Microsoft's strategy going forward is just, you know, because like the whole idea of Game Pass in a more medium long term is that basically Microsoft will essentially just, you know, support developers to make a game. And then in theory, if it's done well, it actually relieves a bit of the pressure of like, okay, well, you, you have, you know, we, we committed to releasing the game on this date Therefore, you know, we're going to crunch and uh, and there's this big ad campaign and all this stuff. Uh, whereas like with Game Pass, you know, in theory, it's a lot easier, it seems, to just drop something on like unannounced and then now it's on Game Pass. And people can like people, I think, are a lot more willing to like try it out because they are already if they're already hey, paying for Game Pass, yeah. you know, what's like just spending half an hour to see if it's worth trying out and then if it is actually good then it can blow up really fast because a lot more people are willing to try it uh and then just just generate like viral kind of uh excitement for it so it's kind of interesting to see if this is going to be something that they just do a lot more going forward because it it it, 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 like dropping a game unannounced seems like it just works better in a way with the game pass kind of funding model Honestly, I like when something just comes out of nowhere. It's a really nice surprise. Just something that that's good, just not on anyone's radar. Just here it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and to correct earlier, uh, it's not Grasshopper Studio. It's Grasshopper is a Suda Fifty One Studio. Right. Uh, oh, uh, this yeah. was that Tang Tango Gameworks. Tango. Which, oh, I is. He- don't really is he even doing it? Are they even doing anything anymore? What grasshopper? Last, yeah, the only thing I like, the only thing I even remember about them was, uh, what, what was that? We killing, kill, killing what? floor? No, no not, not killing, killing floor. floor. No, not killing floor. It was, it was <laughs> oh, wait, the oh, sword wait, yeah. one, the sword one on the Wii, and there was like a couple of them. I thought it was no more two. heroes. No more. No more heroes. Why am I thinking of? Ki- why was I thinking that the word <laughs> "killing" was in its title? Yeah, no more heroes. No more heroes two. Those are the only things I can even think of from well, that studio. No more heroes three came out in twenty twenty one. There's a bunch of weird other games, um, but like it, for twenty twenty four, Lollipop Chainsaw Repop and Shadows oh, of the yeah. Damned Remastered. Lollipop Chainsaw. So I got some remasters of I don't know a couple three sixty games coming I feel like out. That's you know it's one of those studios that I feel like. I just don't. I just don't play those games. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really what it is. I I've tried No More Heroes on two occasions. I just no, not 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 for me. All right, so um, my my last uh, personal category is uh, dumbest game, mm. and that's Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Everything about this game is so incredibly stupid. The font choice for the subtitles, the voice acting, the sheer amount of fist bumps that are in it, the story, <laughs> the dialogue, the fact that you can put fedoras on most of your characters. Yeah. Because all the all the equipment that you equip gets reflected on the character's model, which is insane. The main character and has cutscenes, that's the best part. Yeah. Including cutscenes yes. in the cutscenes. The main character has an MP3 player that shows up <laughs> three times in the game. Uh, the, uh, so, like, it's, it's a, technically it's a prequel to the first Final Fantasy, and they, it's an isekai. It's so stupid. 
the main character going on and on about chaos is so stupid. I have to destroy chaos. <laughs> and like, I I mean, I know the story, the plot of the first Final Fantasy, so I saw every twist of this game coming a mile away. But they were just all handled so stupidly. This is like, I can't say it's the biggest like ratio of budget to campiness because that doesn't necessarily work but it's like if you think of like the most high budget super campy thing i think this takes the cake because like the game looks very very good like all the models the environments the enemies they all look very good how does it play it plays okay like it's trying to be a little bit of that souls like by yeah, having, I, like, I think it's because it's uh, it's, what, it's Team Ninja, it? the yeah, Kubeda so it's more Neo, yeah, so it's more Neo like yeah, because like there's like you know heavy animation that take a long time, big wind ups for enemies and stuff like that. But you have a couple party members, which makes the combat just a, a goddamn mess in a lot of ways, uh, and a lot of it, at least to me, it felt like a lot of um, like some of the like inputs to choose different attacks that you're trying to do felt pretty uh pretty punishing like i couldn't do some of them very consistently so i ended up uh, fairly mashing my way through i only really figured out that i should be using the parry a lot more on the final boss <laughs> before that i was just dodging but the final boss has like some attacks where well, like jump at you and do an area of effect attack where you just literally can't really dodge out of the way of, so you kind of have to parry. So I didn't learn how to play the game properly until the final boss. <laughs> uh, oh, and the uh, end credit song is uh, My Way by Frank Sinatra. Classic. Classic song. That... And, 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 it's okay. and it's really funny in the, in the there's a section on the in the options that's like guidelines for streaming and it's like you can stream any parts of the game except for frank sinatra <laughs> yeah, i thought it's you like, were gonna say what? my way by limp biscuit and no. somehow that that would have fit better in my head i mean that act i mean in terms That'd of just tone in terms of tone that would have actually fit perfectly within the game <laughs> but just to hear fucking my way being performed while the credits roll where all the credits names come up uh, like they, they're scrolling, but they light up halfway up the screen as like blood splatters behind them. Because huh. this game is also very bloody. It's this game is so stupid. I'm like kind of glad I played it, but it wasn't worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> what a statement! It's like it doesn't. Glad I not, played this it, thing. It wasn't worth my time. It's not so bad. It's good. It's so bad. It's interesting. <laughs> That's the best way I think I can put it. Like, it's not a objectively bad game, but it does so many things just odd or wrong that I kind of couldn't put it down. I was fascinated by it. I mean, that's kind of why I enjoy a bad movie more than a mediocre movie. Yeah, Like, exactly. a bad movie can can be very enjoyable. A mediocre movie is just, eh. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a train wreck that you couldn't stop playing. Yeah, it's a car crash that you can't look away from. Did you suplex it? I yes. There are suplexes, kind of. Like what? what there's like a glory crash. There's like a glory kill system where, like, if you 
deplete an enemy's gauge, you can like insta kill them, and there's different animations for each enemy. One of them, literally, the guy picks them up. It's like a humanoid fish thing, puts them in a backbreaker position, like and it's just a straight up wrestling move. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Sure, sure. Final <sighs> Fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and. The, the the like all the uh equipment gets reflected on your character but the equipment that your character start off with are just like t-shirts and jeans and like like adidas like well i mean they've been basketball easy shoes they're not prepared for this kind of but well okay they kind of are prepared for it because it's an isekai but it's also a time loop it's the, it's a mess it's a goddamn mess. I, I, I'm going to stop talking about it and we can move on. All right. Right. So my next category, my personal category, is uh, most capitalist game. <laughs> yeah. Was it on the Steam capitalism sale? I, you know, I, I, I didn't buy it at the capitalism sale, so I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, the most capitalist game for me that I played this year is Hard Space Shipbreaker. Mm, of course. Yeah. Yeah, this game has uh, actually uh, it has an incredible intro cinematic, um, but then also apart from that, just the opening of the game is basically that you sell yourself into slavery, and the game actually the game actually forces you to like read a contract, literally signing away your life, and and there's a bunch of like really. I wish I had taken some notes, but there's a bunch of really funny, just like jokes, and 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 and, and things in this like giant kind of. It's actually not that big. It's readable, but it's a hilarious contract. And there's like things about like you know, the Martian conglomerate, blah blah blah, <laughs> in there, and and just silly, sort of, jokes about kind of a hypothetical, super dystopian future. And the very first thing that happens after you kind of sell yourself into slavery is that you you are killed because that's how the 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 lore for how the uh, how the because when you die, you obviously get revived and keep playing. And the lore for how this works is that there's like a genetic backup system. And the 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 very first thing that happens to you after you sign your life away, literally, uh, is that you are killed in order to make a make backups of you. And so technically your character is just like just always a clone. You are only a clone. You can you never play as your character. You only play as like just clones because your original character died in the opening. Which is kinda like super Yeah, like the the lore of the game, background of the game, super, super uh dystopian capitalist society. And also, you know, you're put into this giant, like, quadrillion dollars of debt or something that you have to work off uh, by, you know, uh, basically salvaging spaceships. And that's the sort of the, the driver for playing the game is, is kind of salvaging spaceships. And then the story has this thing about, like, unionizing and they're, try and they're like, union busting and things like that. But in general, it's... Uh, uh, very much like a sort of satirical dystopian capitalist kind of take on on the future. Um, but also, I just wanted to nominate the game in general because I, I think it's a great game. 
it's sort of a very interesting it's it's a very interesting almost like puzzle game it uh, it's almost mm-hmm. chill but also not at the same time because technically you can take as long as you want but that de- but there's also like the risk of explosive decompression there's also the ri- yeah yeah and but then there's also risks of explosive decompression and just like just like one wrong move and you blow your spacesuit open and just suffocate to death and and uh obviously you know every day if you don't make enough uh if you don't make enough salvage then you know your debt could theoretically actually just go up especially if you die because <laughs> every time you die that's extra money Every death puts you further in debt because it's very expensive to revive you. <laughs> so definitely the most capitalist game for sure. Mm-hmm. I wonder if... I, I feel like the game should have an achievement that's to double your debt. Oh, that would be an incredible <laughs> oh, achievement. No. That would be so hard to get to because you'd basically you'd basically just have to kill yourself. Like, attempt to kill yourself over and over. <laughs> that would be the fastest way to, to do that be a hilarious achievement yeah game also looks great and it's by blackbird interactive so that was my home world that was my home world fix played hard spaceship breaker your home world away from home my home world away from home world yes all right got a great ship design very cool sci-fi aesthetic all right so my last personal category is best from the backlog Ooh. Uh, and this goes to Fury. Oh, nice. oh, the boss, the boss rush game. Yes, nice. I think that's like I think I own that as well, and it looked sweet. With the sick Carpenter Brute soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, that's one thing. The soundtrack is great. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a game that uh, it's easy to pick up, but it's hard to master. Um, and yeah, I'll. I'll all the game is is boss fights and walking to the next boss fight. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's got uh, like it, it's simple but really good combat. Um, like you've got your parry, obviously, uh, your dodge. Um, you've got your well, it, it's actually like part melee combat, part twin stick shooter because your other stick is to shoot your gun. It's a, it's very fun. It's got like three different endings that required two and a half playthroughs, which I did do. Uh, but yeah, and then like each time just get better and better. But because it's just like, yeah, as I said, easy to pick up, hard to master. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's really it's it's really fun, and it it's a game I had actually started a little bit a number of years back because I had gotten it. It was. I, I think I had gotten it from PlayStation Plus. Oh right, PlayStation Plus. I completely forgot that that was even a thing. <laughs> um, but I don't have that anymore, so uh, I, I ended up uh, picking it up on the uh, Steam uh, Winter Sale mm-hmm. and just playing through it again. Well, starting and going through it all, oh, just over the course of like two. Like it, it's not a long game because there's only. How many bosses are there? I think there's only like nine or ten bosses. Uh, so it's it it's it's a quick play, but some of those bosses can be pretty challenging. And uh, like there's one boss which you need to be on your parry game. Nice, cool. So uh, that's actually like 
kind of a nice segue because uh, that was best from the backlog. Now we're going on to the best game we're still playing, which is, you know, games that we've started in previous years that we just weren't able to put down uh, in the year 2023. Um, I've got a few that I could nominate here. And it's like, it's more like, do I take the literal wording or the spirit of the category? Because <laughs> technically I played through Fire Emblem a couple of times this year. <laughs> and that's, you know, one of my favorite games I'm still playing 15 something years later. Uh, but I think I, I think what I'm going to nominate, uh, because this is I this is the only year that I think I could nominate it here is um, I'm gonna nominate Monster Rancher one and two DX uh, because you know I I've continued to keep up with the competitive scene for it embracing monsters for the always hilarious AI run tournaments but as you know time's gone on it's a lot of investment to make a competitive monster uh, not nearly as much as like old Pokemon or anything like that but it's still you know two to four hours of my time to make a monster sometimes only for one like gimmick tournament with a very specific rule set and i've just kind of got burnt out this year uh it's not to say this is a bad game it's still great and i've still really enjoyed my time with it but in terms of like what i should be spending my game playing time doing i kind of have to stop doing this uh just to you know play more games because i I didn't play nearly as many games this year as I, I, I as I wanted to, and then looking at like my Steam wrap up for how many hours I put into this game, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what the problem is. <laughs> so, so this is you announcing your retirement from competitive Monster Hunter, Monster Rancher. God, you do this Monster every Rancher. time. Man. <laughs> uh, kind of. I'm 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 gonna finish up the uh, one of the current big leagues that are going, and maybe if there's like a very interesting rule set. Or a rule set that I've already made a monster for that I could just enter and not have to spend any time making something new for. Sure, but uh, yeah, I'm retiring. I won a couple tournaments, not very many, but I've got Perler in the background here. <laughs> that our listeners cannot see. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, well, I guess I'll go next because of my slip up. I mean, uh, listen, it could best... have been worse. You could have said Monster Breeder. <laughs> but uh, the best game I'm still playing is I jump back into Monster Hunter World. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Okay. That's where it came uh, from. Monsters, monsters, monsters. <laughs> um, I, it, uh, with the announcement of uh, Monster Hunter... Um, with the announcement World of Monster Rise? Hunter Wilds. Wilds. Oh, man. Um, so many coming Monster Hunter games. In, yeah. Uh, coming in 2025, uh, Monster Hunter World has been doing numbers again on Steam with bre- breaking record. Well, I wouldn't say records, but breaking numbers that it hasn't seen since like 2020 in terms of like pl- people playing. Uh, people are just hyped up for the next one and they're just hopping back onto World and I'm there too. I think Monster Hunter World is Capcom's most successful game. Yes, I believe it is. Um, I think it. Uh, I think it kind of helped save Capcom a bit there. Yeah, like that, and um, I forget when that came on in relation to like Resident Evil Seven. But like those two definitely like 
<laughs> saved the sinking yeah, ship for sure but yeah no monster hunter definitely seems to be their big one of their one of their big ones now yeah um it was always it always seemed to be like it always had people playing it like even when yeah it was all but like, it was always like japan only until monster hunter yeah. literally broke worldwide and then it well i mean it did have 3ds games and stuff like it was here but like i think it was more niche yeah exactly it was definitely it was a, brought it to the forefront it was more niche monster hunter world is the first was the first time i've heard people say who used to say fuck monster hunter play it and be like oh i get it now and I'll be uh, I'll be playing more because I never did actually get to the uh, DLC back when I played it the first time. So, um, and actually uh, with the DLC because I re I repurchased it on Steam, um, and they actually with the DLC they give you some pretty nice armor and the option to craft some more powerful weapon uh, like a more powerful weapon early on just so you can get through all the early stuff uh, really quick. Okay, so, man, I've kind of got, I'm I'm kind of torn. Like, there's two games, there's two games I'm I'm thinking here for best game we're still playing. One of them I know, Santa will know, and then it it's so obvious. But then I'm like, if I nominate Risk of Rain two, it might win <laughs> something this year. And then the DLC will come out, and then we nominate it again next year, or or I nominate F FTL. And I'm really torn because, you know, I think I actually played a lot of Risk of Rain 2 and a lot of FTL this year. They're both a bit older at this point. We've talked a lot about Risk of Rain 2, I feel like. Or maybe we haven't. Maybe we've just We've talked it around Risk of Rain 2 we've a lot. We've not, we've not actually talked about it a lot on podcast. Yeah, then fuck it. We're going to nominate Risk of Rain 2 again. And by again, I mean we've never nominated it before, I think. Don't believe so. So, yeah, Risk of Rain 2, best game we're still playing. I think the reason we've never no I think the reason we never nominated it for a GUI before is just because uh we started playing it so like before we were hosting the GUIs. Yeah, we started playing it in twenty twenty. Yeah. Which was and you know, before we start podcasting. Yeah. But uh yeah, Risk of Rain two is still just you know, we have hundreds of hours. Like I think I have over three hundred hours. I think Santo, you've got like over four hundred or something. Uh <laughs> Uh, a little more than that. Okay. Um, I have. Oh no, I have seven hundred ninety-nine hours. Holy shit! Okay, oh so my God, Risk of Rain two. Well, that's just... an active game. That's not like me leaving it on. So it yeah, is. Well, I, I played a lot of solo uh, stuff, trying to you know complete everything on Eclipse. Yeah, yeah. I think that's and that's I think one of the big things, like the eclipse mode, where it just uh every time you beat it, it it adds like a new challenge to the game. And they're like serious, like serious um upgrade or serious, serious challenges. challenges. Yeah, yeah. Very, like very like difficult. one of one of them that's like really brutal actually is like the enemies get plus forty percent movement speed, which is crazy. Yeah, like, that's that, brutal. That's it's a lot. Um and yeah, so like Eclipse has added so much playtime to that. And it makes the game a lot harder and and you lose a lot of runs, sure, but it's the core gameplay loop on Risk of Rain 2 is just so tight and so enjoyable that um yeah, you can just add these arbitrarily escalatingly hard challenges and it actually just extends the playable lifetime of the game dramatically. 
uh, once you're kind of good enough to be able to tackle the game on Monsoon at least, because Eclipse is always on Monsoon difficulty, which is hard yeah. difficulty. And yeah, but uh, and then you know the game's still getting some updates. It's got a couple DLC or it's got yeah. another DLC planned. And yeah, it's no, good. see that that's why I, I, this is hypocritical of me to say for a reason I don't want it to win is because they did literally nothing to the game this year. Ah, I they know. they pushed one set it they pushed one update that broke my settings that <laughs> didn't actually add anything didn't fix anything from the looks of things. I know it's hypocritical because I my nomination is a game that is a really like the most bare bones re-release you could of a twenty plus twenty five year old game or whatever. <laughs> so, like, I know that's why I was tempted to nominate FTL, but FTL would be uh, probably the best baby game. I think I should have thrown that category in there. But all right, be- best game to play while holding a baby. FTL. There we FTL. go. FTL. Yeah, best game to play with a well, while holding a baby is FTL. That's right. Just throw that one in there. Just casual. Sure. <laughs> yeah. This. I don't even know. If, do we even pick a winner for this one? This this one seems like the most arbitrary. <laughs> I, I feel like this is also kind of a personal category. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we cop out and not pick something here. We we cop yeah. out. Best game we're playing as individuals. Sure. Yeah. We're still playing best game we're still playing i think i said playing <laughs> all right so that's gonna besides, do it for besides oh. if, we, if we if we cop out and risk of rain 2 doesn't get an award then when the dlc comes out it can get like an award next year i mean our our, our rules meta- aren't that aren't that strict that we're like, meta- like i said like i said if you play the outer wilds dlc and it's great feel free to nominate for stuff we're meta fe- feels like it's if you feel like the addition is big enough to warrant you know a nomination sure uh but you know in terms of like you know dlc this this is just the basic game of our GUIs because we got part two coming up in a separate podcast so let's kind of go over uh part one of the actual categories that we had because uh, we had like the new year's resolution games not gonna go over those uh we had best looking game which nominations Honkai Star Rail and Super Mario Wonder with the winner Sea of Stars. Best Dog, we have Unnamed Dog from Resident Evil 4 Remake. Uh, Poochie from Yoshi's Crafted World with the winner being Mechadad from Line Monster Farm. Best Character, we had Particio from Octopath Traveler 2. The Pilot from Risk of Brain Returns and the winner being Chai from Hi-Fi Rush. And for most game, we had nominees of Marvel Snap and Tears of the Kingdom, with the winner being Noita. And we also had you know, our personal categories, the best game we're still playing, but you know, I'm not going to recap those. So uh, now you can uh, anticipate our next uh, podcast, where we'll go over our most anticipated games, our best level, the weirdest game crossover of the year, the best music, the lo-fi award for chill games to relax to, the biggest bummer, and finally, the game of our year. So stay tuned to that. And that's Three Levels Deep signing off. Cheers. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>